listening to the Business of Baking podcast with Michelle Green, the small business podcast that's all about successfully running your own sweet food company without losing your mind. If you've ever brought dessert to a party and been told you can make a fortune selling those, then you're in the right place. This is an honest, straight-talking podcast about the highs and lows of being in small business. Fueled by late nights, crazy client stories, and a permanent sugar high, we're going to listen, share, and learn our way to sweet business success. Here's your host, writer, speaker, recovering cake decorator, and incurable sweet tooth, Michelle Green. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Business of Baking podcast. Today is a little bit of a different day because today I'm not interviewing anybody that's famous in the cake world. I'm not interviewing anybody that has anything to do with things related to the cake world. So we're not talking to life coaches, we're not talking to business coaches, we're not talking to anybody who has anything to do with cake, except she kind of does. It's an absolute pleasure today to be interviewing my daughter Claire. And you might be wondering if this is just some sort of weird self-serving thing because I couldn't think of anybody else to interview or I just really like my kids. Only half of that is true. I do, in fact, really like my kids. But this came about because about six months ago now, might even be longer, I did a Facebook Live with my daughter, Claire, to talk about what it was like to be the child of a mother who owns a small business. And the reason I did that is because the topics of mummy guilt and feeling bad for running a business while having a child or children, more than one, actually could be like children, dogs, and partners, is something that comes up a lot in our industry where we feel bad for doing what we do and taking the time to do what we do. And I thought it'd be really interesting to hear what the life on the other side of the dining table is like when you're the kid of somebody who does this and you're having to compete with their time and attention, not only against you know the other family members in the household, but also a business, what that feels like. And that Facebook Live was massively popular. I had a bunch of people commenting on it, a bunch of people asking me if they could hear it again. And I thought it'd be a good opportunity to actually re-interview Claire, but on a more public platform, and also ask her a couple of more in-depth questions about the things people have asked me about and the stuff that I want to know about. So you should know that if you haven't heard already that Claire is actually a triplet. She's one of three kids. And I did get asked last time I did this, how come I only interviewed Claire and I didn't interview the other two? And there's a pretty simple reason for that. She's the only one who was willing, (laughs) pretty much. And the other two would be willing, but Claire tends to be the more outspoken. And she's also, um, you know, very similar to her mom, very honest and very willing to share her real life stories. And so I thought she'd probably be the best person to share because she's willing to talk, which you know, sounds like a simple way of putting things, but that's it. And so the only trouble you might have is that we don't sound too dissimilar. So you might kind of be like, wait, is that Michelle talking or is that Claire talking? But she's the one that sounds cute. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to get started on this interview. Without further ado, I'm introducing you all to my daughter, Claire. She's 17 and fabulous. So hi, Claire. Hi, mom and listeners. <laughs> there might be a bit of giggling going on. She's kind of like, I haven't done this before. What do I do? All right. I actually created, as I would for any guest of the podcast, I created a whole long list of questions for Claire. I think we're just going to stop with, start at the top. Okay. You're good with that? Yeah. Okay. Let's do this. All right, Claire, your whole life, literally your whole life, you grew up having a working mom. So for those of you who don't know the story, I actually went to culinary school when Claire and her siblings were two, but I was working before that, of course. And so from the time she was two, I was doing pastry things. And from the time she was four, I was actually running my own business. So were there ever times when you wished that you didn't have a working mom, particularly because you go to a school where there are lots of parents there who at least one of them doesn't work. So you've always grown up having two parents that worked. Was there ever a time where you're like, I wish my mom was the one who just stayed home and like, I don't know, was a stay at home mom? I don't think I ever didn't want you to work. Sometimes I just wanted you to work 
differently. So like now sometimes she does, you guys probably know because you attend them, she does like early morning like I don't know e-conferences whatever you call them and so I wake up to mom and her presenter voice being like hi Sharon so (laughs) so like I don't mind that she works it's just like it would be nice not to be woken up (laughs) by mom's presenter voice but no I've never wanted you to not work when I was younger it was always like the cool mom job like everyone's like yeah my mom's like an accountant I'd be like my mom makes cake so it's never been that I didn't want you to work I guess no I never didn't want to work I wanted you to work differently sometimes like then and now like I need you to like take me somewhere and you'd be like sorry you have to like get the tram or walk or whatever because I can't take you because both me and dad are working which was fine it just meant that I had to find my own way around so it was never like I don't want you to work and be with me because also you'd be pain in the ass if you're with me all the time because you'd just be bored and then you go out of your mind being bored (laughs) I think you'd be the worst stay-at-home mom ever (laughs) because you'd get so bored all the time and then you wouldn't know what to do with yourself and then you'd come to like me or Jules and Lexi and be like I'm bored (laughs) so no I'm very glad you work I think you would be the best (laughs) okay one of the bad parts about interviewing your own kid on this podcast is that you have to hear the truth of what she (laughs) thinks which is that I'd make a terrible stay-at-home mother but the truth is I would make a terrible stay-at-home mother awful absolutely awful (laughs) it would be bad I can't be doing that all right so you didn't mind my working but there were times I guess when you wish I was more available right yeah like it was in terms of like you being available to me but even then like you get over it pretty quickly you're like all right whatever I'll take the tram take an uber walk whatever get a friend to pick me up like it's so are there any parts of having a mom who owns a business so not just the working actually owns a business because that's different I think is there any parts that's like really great like what's the best part there's got to be some good benefits here I mean free cake is one of them but regardless is there a benefit to having a mom that runs her own business the benefits is probably you make your own schedule so even though there are scheduling problems like I can be like oh I need to like do this big job and you can be like oh it's fine I'll take off the afternoon and we'll go to do this big job so like you make your own schedule a lot which is good I learned a lot about business which is good because like I feel like I understand business and how to like value your time and never working for free because exposure doesn't pay the bills <laughs> and how to market your profitable cake business. No, but seriously though, I feel like I've learned some useful business skills. You can't see it, but mom's like hidden her hands, just shaking her head right now because <laughs> she knows I'm going to expose her. <laughs> I don't work for exposure, so you can expose me as much as you like, but it's not going to help, child. (laughs) All right, so the good bits are you learned a lot, right? And it is true. I have, I mean, one of the reasons I own my own business is for that flexible life and is for that flexible schedule and being able to say to you guys, you know, do you want to have lunch in the middle of the day or when you're on school vacation that I can spend that time with you? You know, that's why I did it. So it kind of makes me feel better to know that that's the best part. What's the worst part? Of you working? Yeah, or owning my own business. You know or working. One. It's traveling. Sorry. They don't know. It's traveling. <laughs> I don't like when mom travels, mostly because she travels for long periods of time and like typically in a very enclosed like she'll have like three months where she's traveling but she'll be traveling for three weeks and then one week and then a month and then two weeks like she which is good because I mean she's available the rest of the year but like when she's gone she's gone for a long time and back for very little time and I don't 
I don't like when you're away. It's kind of nice to be loved, Claire. Thanks. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, Claire's talking about the fact that I teach live classes in person. And because Australia is so far from anywhere else, she's 100% right. If I go, I tend to go for long periods of time because to get from here to anywhere is like a 15-hour flight. And so if I'm going to go that far, I want to maximize that. And so I'll go for three weeks at a time or two weeks at a time or whatever. And this year is actually the last year that I'll be doing that for a little while because Claire and her siblings have asked me to stay home next year because next year they're going to be in 12th grade. So I'm on a travel ban for a year next year, which I say, you know, the word ban sounds kind of negative, but it's not really. I think it's kind of a joy that my kids want me around and feel that it's important that I'm here to support them during their last year of high school and stuff. So if you want to meet me in person, you can. This year, I'm still traveling to the United States. No, it's actually www.bizbakeontour.com. I know, sad that my telling you this means I'll be leaving Claire and that's the thing she hates the most. But it's only this year and then next year I'll be home. So this year it's the United States, Canada, the UK, Israel, and that's it. So that'll be exciting. But Claire, I'll bring you home cool stuff from all these places. I would say, I mean, I don't like her traveling, but the good part is like, I think also good thing for you listeners to do if you are a traveling person is like, mom always makes sure that she's home for the important stuff. Like she's never missed a birthday. That was ours. She's never missed like a big religious holiday where we all are there. Even though she travels, she always like makes sure that for the important stuff, she's home. And like she listens when we say, please don't travel for this. And like when we asked her not to go next year, she said yes. So like even though she travels a lot, she doesn't just like travel willy nilly and be like, whatever, I'm leaving you guys. Bye. Like she asks and makes sure that we're okay with it. Look, I'm not going to deny my career progression, but I do that within the parameters of being a parent. I think that's kind of the important thing. So, all right. So let's talk about this parenting bit of it. Okay. Right. And how you manage both of those things. Right. So when you were little, right? Often I'd bring you into the business to help me do stuff. Like I'd get you to tie ribbons or cut out fondant or whatever, just kind of like do stuff in the business. Right. And at the time I thought that was a really great idea because I was like, I can give time to you and I can give time to my business. But to be honest, I never asked you. Like, I would just be like, Claire, come and do this thing for me or come and do that thing for me. And, you know, we used to joke that I was getting cheap slave labor thing or child labor or whatever. But I don't know, all those times that you came and did stuff like swept the floor or whatever you did, did you think I was being a good parent and a good business owner? Like, was that a good thing? Here I was thinking it was a brilliant solution to making sure that I got to pay attention to both you and the business. But to be fair, I never really checked that that was okay with you. By the way, it is really great cheap slave labors. <laughs> you should feel free to use your children. But I don't know, I never checked. I guess not to toot my own horn and to toot mom's horn, but I always joke that mom forgets that we're incredibly well adjusted <laughs> and incredibly nerdy young children. So I really enjoyed going to work and like cutting fondant circles or like putting stuff in the dehydrator or like oh what else did I do so I used to like airbrush figurines and like I really enjoyed it it was all just like a little small busy work then and like she didn't have to do it and she'd work on the actual cake part but I really liked it I thought it was really fun and I would have told you if I didn't like it you know <laughs> that's true you are definitely not shine retiring I feel like you would have told me immediately like I'm not okay with this mom yeah and like there were a few times where mom was like oh you need to come to the kitchen or whatever and like I didn't do work like I would bring a book or I'd you know like play some crappy little kids game on the computer like it wasn't like every single time I was nose to the grind working <laughs> and she, it wasn't like she was like do this she'd be like do you want to do this 
would you like to do this? Mum forgets sometimes that she did actually give us a choice. <laughs> it wasn't, she's nearly crying because I'm very nice, <laughs> but she did give us the choice. It's not like, it wasn't a bad thing that you made us do think. It was a good thing. And also it helped because I'm not a patient person and like it made me patient a little bit, maybe sometimes kind of. Okay. Bit. It didn't make you patient at all. Okay. <laughs> Let's just be honest no, about this. No, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Not even vaguely, Claire. So if, listen, if you can't lie to my listeners about me, you can't lie about you either. Claire is the single most impatient person you've ever met in your life, which wait, is saying wait, wait. something. And it taught me the greatest joy in life, which is cleaning dishes with an industrial dishwasher, the one that you pull down and then you pull up and there's all the hot water and so fun. <laughs> it is very satisfying. It takes like a minute and a half. Uh, so, okay, fair. I got that part right. And a lot of parents, honestly, I think parenting is just like you hope you get stuff right and you don't screw your kids up that much. But when you're parenting a bunch of kids and you're running a household and you maybe even have a second job or whatever, and you're running a business into the mix, like it can often feel, and seriously, it can feel like you're shortchanging at least one of those things, right? So when I was fully in the business, I felt like I was neglecting you guys. And when I was fully paying attention to you guys, I felt like I was neglecting my customers or neglecting the shop or whatever. There is a lot of mummy guilt around where you spend your time because you know, you only, we only ever get 24 hours in the day and every day you need to make a choice about where you're going to spend those hours and where you're going to spend that time. So it's kind of heartening to know that you think I got it at least mostly right. But okay, here's your chance, right? So if you were giving... Wait, I have something to say first. Okay, go. Sorry, mom just mentioned the whole 24 hours in a day thing. I would just like to point something out. Lots of people use this comparison of, oh, you have 24 hours in the day and so does Beyonce. Absolutely not. Beyonce has millions of dollars, hundreds of assistants, thousands of resources and people at her beck and call. You do not have the same 24 hours in a day as Beyonce and I hate people who make those comparisons. Or people are like, you have the same amount of hours in the day as Barack Obama. No, you do not. You have different hours in the day than different people and it's okay to use them differently. You shouldn't feel bad because you're not you know, being this super mom, super business owner, because you say have the same amount of hours in the day as Beyonce. Beyonce doesn't have the same amount of hours as you. She has 24 hours, sure, but three hours that you would spend cooking, she has a chef. Three hours that you would spend with her kids, she has a nanny. Like, don't ever think that you have the same amount of hours or that you have to use your hours differently or better because someone with 10 times the resources is doing it differently or better. And that's it. <laughs> No, that's a fair point, right? We all have the same 24 hours, but the way we're able to spend them, I think is the thing, right? It's about that. We don't, not everyone has the same resources to choose how they spend that time, I guess is what we're saying, right? Yeah. So if you have to use your hours for other things or to shift around how you're using your time for one day, don't feel bad. It's not that you are doing it badly. It's just that you have to do it differently. I'm pretty sure in that little monologue there, Clay, you just proved to everybody listening why you're my child. <laughs> I feel like you just proved your genetics better than any other, I mean, other than the fact that we look similar, I feel like you just proved your genetics. So thanks for that, kiddo. Yeah. Okay, well, that kind of goes in line with the question I was going to ask, right? So we do have a lot of guilt about how we spend our time as business owners and as parents. And so as a kid, what's the best parenting advice you could give somebody who is trying to juggle all those lives? So what do you think the kids of working parents want their parents to know? What the kids want their parents to know? Yeah, like if a kid could say to their working mom, mom, I just want you to know this. What do you think that this is? I think the biggest this is listen to your kids and also ask them. Like the biggest thing for sure is 
asking them what's okay, what's not, well, not necessarily okay, but like what's better or worse? How do you feel? Like, you know, asking them how they feel. And when they say stuff, listen all the time. Not when they're just being like, I want you to do this. Like the subtle things as well is listening. Like don't just listen when they say, I don't want you to travel. Listen when they say stuff like, I like having you around for my birthday. You know, like it's, they're not always going to want to tell you in, like kids don't always want to have to be the ones to spell it out for the parents. It's nice sometimes when the parents just know, and I know that's not something easy and not something people can do, but like, just take the time to listen to everything they say. And if you need clarification, ask, but like, just pick up the hints that they're definitely dropping for you and then act on them, I would say. And also in terms of like what it's okay for you to do is like, don't always, I'm going to sound like you in the next bit, don't always stress out. Mum always tells me that it's okay to drop your bundle. And like, I agree, even though I don't do it myself, you do as I say and not as I do. (laughs) I like, it's okay to drop your bundle or to like have some bad days or like take a week off or whatever. Like it's okay to just stop for a second and then go back because what's going to happen in one week? The world doesn't stop spinning in one week just because you need a day off. Like it'll be there when you come back. It's not going away. You can go and do something else and then return to it. And that's what I would say. Yeah. So what Claire's talking about when that's a very Australian expression to drop your bundle. I'm not shaming you for your Australianism, (laughs) by the way. So what she's talking about is I often tell her and I tell all my kids, like, it's okay to not have it together all the time. It's okay to have cereal for dinner. It's okay to need to take a day off or a week off or a month off or whatever. Like, it's okay to not have it together all the time. And one of the things it's funny, I do this with my kids, but I don't necessarily like that I do this with my kids, is that I'm very real and authentic with them. So if I'm having a crappy day or a a miserable week or something, I'll say it to them. Like I'll say, guys, I'm just not in a really good place. I'm really grumpy and really upset. If I snap at you, it's not you, it's me, but it's just things are not going well. I don't feel the need with my children to maintain some sort of bizarre veneer of perfection or happiness or whatever. I don't think real life is like that. And I, while I don't want to drag them down with me, I certainly make it clear that it's not always easy. It's not always simple. And life is tough and I'm doing the best that I can. And I think for me, one of the best bits of parenting, the thing I think I do well, and maybe Claire can tell me if I don't do this well, is generally speaking, I won't ever make a promise that I can't actually deliver on. So I will never, ever make a promise unless I'm 100% certain I can deliver. But if something happens, for some reason I can't deliver or I can't do what I said I would or whatever, my immediate response to that is to go to that kid in question, apologize for the fact that I couldn't deliver, own up to the fact that I couldn't deliver, and then try to find an alternative. So I might say something like, I know I told you I was going to take you to get your haircut on Saturday, but unfortunately this thing has come up with a client that I can't get out of. So I'm really sorry that I'm disappointing you on that, but I think we'll go on Monday if that's okay by you. I'm a real big believer in don't tell your kids random stories. Like kids can see through that stuff. So I've always had this belief that don't promise what you can't deliver. And if you need to disappoint them for some reason, own up to it, explain why, treat them like you would want to be treated, you know, and then give them a solution for how you're going to fix it. Right. I do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't lie or pretend that things are better than they are because like you really think I'm going to know you for my whole life and then you're going to be acting shitty. But when I ask you how you are, you say you're fine. Like, I know you're not fine. You should just (laughs) answer me honestly. And like, you don't have to tell me what's wrong. You can just be like, oh, I'm having a bad week. Like I might take it out on you and it's not personal. Like you don't have to, kids are not stupid. (laughs) Kids are not, you know, that's so true. Kids are not stupid. Kids are not stupid. And 
it's you're just when you try and maintain some perfect like bs and you know try and be like oh everything's great like or not apologizing when you do something wrong you're just teaching them that it's okay to do that it's not okay to do that that's how you make shitty people all right so on that topic so you've spent your whole life watching me raise you guys or, or experiencing me raise you guys and run a business and run a household and all this kind of stuff. Do you think that this, you know, supposedly they say, by the way, that entrepreneurship runs in families and that like, if you're the child of a business owner, you tend to be a business owner. Like, do you think that's true for you? Like, do you look at my experience and how I've done it and what I've done? And do you think, yeah, I'd like that life? Or do you look at it and think, oh my God, no way. I'm just going to get a normal job like normal people. I don't want a normal job like normal people because normal is boring, but also I don't know what I want to do. So I don't know if entrepreneurship is there, but like it's a potential. It's more that I know that if I ever wanted to do that, it wouldn't be like jumping into the deep end. It's not necessarily that I know that that's something I want to do, but if I did do it, I would have at least base knowledge of how to do it. Also, you have an in-house business coach, just quietly, (laughs) although you should know I never work for free. (laughs) I learned about overheads at three years old. (laughs) (laughs) You should know I never work for free, Claire, so if you're wanting some free business coaching, it's not happening from your mother, okay? Mates rights. <laughs> Mates. Yeah, you might have to get my family and friends discount policy, although we don't like to call it a discount because that's the D word and we don't like it. <laughs> All right. So extrapolating kind of further out from that, owning your own business. Yeah, I guess the advantage is that it's not unfamiliar to you. So I know that something you're in a bigger sense then, let's, let's talk about this. So I know that being a feminist and feminism is something that's very important to you and that it's an ideal that you hold very close to your heart. And I think that is a good thing. And you know that we've talked a lot about gender equality and like the gender wage gap. And we've talked a lot about those, I was going to say current issues, but they're really old issues actually that are just getting some airtime now. And so you look at my life and you see that I do all these million jillion things. And you also look at the world around you and you see that gender parity does not exist and the gender pay gap does and all that kind of stuff. So I'm curious, do you think that in your lifetime, those issues are going to be resolved? Do you think that it's just more of the same? Like, I'm just curious what your thoughts are about that whole concept of working women and having it all and wanting equality and all that kind of stuff. That sounds like a very generic question. I guess I want, in my lifetime, I'd love to know that that's happening. And in my lifetime, I think the conversation is starting, but I don't know that there's going to be a resolution. So I'm curious, as somebody who's 17 and who sees this happening in the world around her, in your lifetime, are we going to manage this? Or is it still going to be women do it all? You know, just sorry, one of the other things we've, I'm sure you and I have talked about this. What's that name, Claire, of that work that like unpaid work? The Invisible that, Burden. The invis- Emotional Labor. Which one? Both. Okay. That's the Invisible the Burden. What talking about is the Invisible Burden. Right. The Invisible Burdens. For those who aren't familiar, you can Google that concept. But the Invisible Burden is this idea. I'm going to force mom to put the link on her Facebook page. Right. I'll put the link in the show notes, actually, Claire, and I'll put it on the Facebook page. So the Invisible Burden, for those of you who have not heard that concept before, is this idea that women carry the invisible burden of their families. And it's stuff like remembering to like buy your mother-in-law, you know, flowers because it's her birthday and remembering to noticing when stuff is dirty and cleaning it up, you know, remembering to not just pay the bills, but that that bill is coming up. It's the invisible emotional work of the management of a a household and a family. And it's the things that men generally just doesn't occur to them, I guess. I don't want to rubbish men, but (laughs) it's the thing that doesn't occur to them to do. And so they don't do that. So I'm just curious, Claire, like, are we making any progress? Like in your lifetime, are we going to make any progress? I think we're going to make progress, but I think all progress comes from like raising good people and being better people. Like in terms of the invisible burden and like family 
stuff. Like don't accept mediocrity. Like if your husband is like, I did the dishes. Are you proud of me? Like, no, no, I'm not proud of you. Do the dishes like any other reasonable person would. Like don't in your own lives, don't accept base standard for being good. Like base standard should be base standard because it's, that's what it is. It's standard. You shouldn't be rewarding people for the little things. Like what's an example? Like a lot of my friends, if they'll be like, oh, like dad's speaking me up today. Isn't that great? And I'm like, no, he's your dad. This is what he does. Like you shouldn't be celebrating like no effort. You should be rewarding good effort, but like no effort, it should just be a given. So I think in your own lives, that's something you should do with your all family members, not just men. And also, I think a way to improve and to see that progress in your lifetime is with your children. And you need to be teaching them from, you know, <laughs> from conception. You know, they have to be good people and to treat everyone and respect everyone equally and with kindness. And something that I know happens that I don't know if it's happening in your life or someone else's life that you may not know is happening. A lot of kids act differently at home to how they act in real life. And that's a real bad thing that we should be putting a lid on. Like I have, I wouldn't call them a friend. It's an acquaintance because I don't want to associate with that person. But I have a, an acquaintance who I was talking to him about his family and he was like, yeah, so my mom is a sex ed teacher and my dad like works with cars. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. You know, like what's your mom and dad like? And he was like, yeah, mom's like this really big feminist. And I, I was getting excited. I was like, oh, great. So are you two? And he was like, nah, I just do it at home. So mom's happy. And then, and then I just do whatever. And then he proceeded to use words like retarded as an adjective and autistic as an adjective, which is like absolutely not okay. So you need to be making sure that your kids are good people at home, but not just at home, but in life, I think is how you make progress. I think that's fair. Well, I think that's also about modeling behavior though, Claire, right? Mm -hmm. If you see your parents acting one way at home and another way in public, that's not how it works, right? It's about modeling behavior too, right? I guess we're a little bit of unusual family in that we do talk about this stuff and I do support Claire and all my kids actually in their wanting to learn about this stuff and wanting to hear about it. And we talk about it and we debate it. I mean, it's not discussion every night or anything, but it comes up and we talk about it. And I think that's also part of the thing about raising great kids, business or not, feminist or not, is you raise great kids that are able to have conversation. That to me is the biggest thing. And they need to be able to have conversation and listen to other people's points of view. They might not agree with those points of view, but they certainly have to be willing to listen respectfully to those points of view. That's a really big thing for me as a parent. And you should also know that we raise our children, by no means are we hippies or anything, but we raise our children in a way that is different to some of the other parents we've come across. So my children are very fortunate to get to go to a private school. You've heard me talk before about how a big part of running my own business was to enable that to happen because education is one of my most important values. But really interesting, I remember when the kids were like, I, I want to say you guys were like in sixth grade or something. And my kids... <laughs> can I cut in for a second? Yes, you can cut in. Mom just said we're not hippies, but I just want you to all to know that her biggest dream is to become a hippie nomad living in this like fancy house on the beach, wearing sarongs and saris for the rest of her life <laughs> with like cool jazz playing in the background and a yoga meditation every day at six. <laughs> so she's lying about the hippie thing. She's a hippie. <laughs> I want to be a really rich hippie is the point. Anyway, so, okay, right. Let's not shame me for my life choices about living in a really beautiful house on a cliff top, okay? 
<laughs> Can I just say someday when you need to get your Zen on because you're stressed out from being a corporate UN lawyer, you're going to be coming to your mother. Okay. So she's going to be wearing like white three quarter capri pants. Oh, no, I can't wear capri pants. It doesn't look good. stocks, a blue flowy shirt. You know, those big, big circle necklaces and like bangles. Now that Claire shamed me from my hippie choices, the point I was making is we don't raise our children in this like hippie way. So when they were in like, I want to say sixth grade, when they were in like the sixth grade, I remember Claire coming home and being like, mom, we're the only kids in our whole grade with chores. It was year four. Oh, year four. Sorry. And I was like, what? My kids have had chores their whole life from the time they were old enough to have chores, right? Like at two years old, you know, everybody pitched in and cleaned the playroom or whatever. And at three years old, they were doing stuff like, you know, I don't know, laying the forks out on the table or whatever it was. And the older they've gotten, the more responsibility those chores have had, right? So these days, my kids are responsible for making their own lunches, for the laundry for the whole family, for taking out the trash and the recycling. Making dinner for, if I'm not home. Yeah, if I'm not home, making dinner, or cooking dinner or whatever, emptying the dishwasher, like what I think are kind of normal normal activities and they don't get paid for it. So they only started getting an allowance like a year ago and it wasn't tied to, we didn't tie it to chores. So we have an expectation that you do chores because we have a very strong feeling that a family is a community and in communities we help each other out and we, everybody pulls their weight, right? And that way the community works better. And is it a perfect system? No, it isn't because the kid who does, you know, the biggest job, which is laundry hates it the most. And, you know, there's always the odd, like she didn't do my underwear or what, you know, when it's not perfect, right? But it is me that kids have no responsibilities these days. I had a friend tell me last year that they didn't know how to use a washing machine and they also didn't know where the washing machine in their house was because they just put their dirty clothes in this like bag attached to their door and then like two days later it came back in the same bag folded and clean. <laughs> Wait, they didn't know where the washing machine was actually located. They also didn't know how to use it. Okay, this is bad. Don't do that to your kids. So I think the point, to bring this back to our discussion about being a mom and being a mom in business, one of the things I was going to say is one of the kind of like side advantages of giving the kids the chores and getting them to do that stuff and teaching them how to you know run a dishwasher and how to cook and all this kind of stuff is that it's actually enabled me to run that business to a degree because I know that my household is not just run by me. It's run by three other kids at the very least and a partner. And so I've had the advantage of knowing if I'm not there, it's not going to fall apart. And I think that that's something that I've done toot my own horn here. Something I've done really well because I've taught these kids to shower themselves and make lunches and whatever. I know that if I'm not there because work is calling me away for a day or a week or two weeks, it's not going to fall apart. Their father is perfectly capable of doing all this stuff. And even if he isn't, they are. So by building a family that's a community, it means that I'm not the linchpin. And I do think that often when I hear women really lamenting this whole mommy guilt and it all falls apart if it's not me, I don't want me to be the reason why this household survives or falls apart. I don't want to be the linchpin. I don't think that's a good, I might be the linchpin emotionally, but from a practical point of view, I don't want that to be the case. Like, I mean, that's fair, Claire, right? All right. So Claire, I've got a couple of just fun questions for you. I thought it might be fun. Do you have an ultimate dream cake that you hope that I make you someday? Although also FYI, Claire, I'm retired from cake, so I'll be outsourcing this. So is there a dream cake you'd like me to make? So she's not allowed to outsource this at all. She has to make it herself. She's allowed to ask for help, but she's like, no one else can construct it or make it but her. It's a dream. It is my most beautiful dream. It's a 3D spinning ballerina teddy bear. 
cake. And that's been my dream cake. It will be my dream cake until I get it. And then I will move on to bigger and better things. But she refuses to make it because she thinks that she doesn't have the skill or that it's going to be too hard. And to that, I say, we are not quitters in this household. (laughs) And I will get that cake. Come hello, high water at some point in my life. I will get it. (laughs) I just love how your kids use your own words against you. We are not quitters in this household. Thanks. Awesome. When I taught you that, I didn't mean it to apply to me, okay? <laughs> it's just so you know. All right. So, <laughs> right. The spinning 3D ballerina cake and a teddy bear. So, oh my God. Okay. Let's just clarify. It's a teddy bear dressed as a ballerina spinning like on one toe, like a ballerina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. It is like up on one foot, like arms above the air, you know, like. Oh, beautiful. arms in the air now. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. This thing gets like progressively crazier as time goes on. So, at pro- <laughs> so if you make it now, you're just going to avoid me making it any worse. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, not surprisingly, my children are massive cake snobs, like insane cake snobs. So Claire, what happens when you see a cake in a store or dessert or pastry or something in a store or at a party? Like what's your reaction when you see cake in the real world? First thing I would like to say is that this cake knobs thing, we are monsters of her own creation. Okay. She did this to us. And whenever I see a cake in a store at a friend's birthday party, I look at it and I just categorize every single thing that's wrong with it. And then I keep it. And then I, if my siblings are there, I tell them. And then we all sit in a huddle and we talk about how disgustingly ugly that cake is. And it doesn't even have to be ugly. We can be like, their fondant is lumpy. Their chocolate is sweating. They haven't, you know how um really popular cake? The drip cake. The drip cake? We'll be like, oh, their drips are all like, it'll be, we look at the, it's not just like, it's an ugly cake. We can look at, we look at the technical stuff as well, like how well it's all applied and done and the colors and stuff. And then I message mom or I tell mom and I'd be like, mom, listen, I saw the ugliest cake and I've got to tell you about it. And also, shock horror, I don't like cake at all. So if it's like a friend's birthday party, I'll try it just so I can then tell her if it was a bad like cake taste-wise because you need beautiful cake, but more importantly, you need yummy cake. And I don't like cake. <laughs> so it's like, it's a big sacrifice. <laughs> Trying cake. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, first of all, I don't like cake. And second of all, I like critiquing cake. (laughs) So entertainingly to me, Claire not only hates cake, she does not have a sweet tooth pretty much at all, really, Mm -hmm. really. And so like when she used to come into the shop and it'd be like, sweetheart, for an afternoon school snack, I like made you a cupcake or whatever. She'd be like, that's great. Could you take the icing off? (laughs) And I'd be like, but I put like a butterfly on it and like glitter and I made it all pretty for you. And she's like, that's great. Could I just, could you just take that icing right off for me? She just is not an icing. I don't know. That did not pass to you in the womb because I'm a total sweet tooth. I don't like icing. I don't like buttercream. I don't like fondant. I don't mind ganache, but it needs to be like the smallest like hint of ganache. When after mom caught on to that, like if she'd ever like get like three cupcakes for us, you'd see like two perfectly decorated ones and mine with like a scrape of icing on it. Hey, it's Michelle here. Sorry to interrupt your happy listening to Claire and I carrying on. Unfortunately, the tech gremlins got to this interview with Claire and in the last four minutes of our interview, it got completely cut off and it was just blank air. And I really thought about ditching this altogether and just trying to re-record the entire thing from the beginning. But there was two reasons I couldn't do that. One, trying to pin down a teenage girl and get her to actually make time for hanging out with her mother is very challenging. And the second thing is that Claire and I had such a 
beautiful conversation that day. It was so much fun and it was so just off the cuff and it was really who we really are. And I don't know that I could recreate that kind of magic again. So unfortunately, you missed the last four minutes of this interview. I will tell you that Claire was talking at the time that I got cut off about the fact that she's not a cake person and she's actually not. She's got like not a sweet tooth at all. It's totally not her thing. She kind of likes ice cream, but that's about it really, which is funny because I'm a super mega sweet tooth. In this case, the apple does not fall far from the tree. But you should know that I'm unbelievably proud to raise a daughter like Claire, to raise a girl who is not afraid of her convictions, not afraid to share those convictions, not afraid to say who she is and be unashamedly who she is. And she really challenges me, as I'm sure you heard in that interview. She challenges me quite a lot. And sometimes I like it. And sometimes I'm kind of like, hey, let's remember which one of us here is the grown up. (laughs) And we'll go from there. And that whole, I'm sure you guys have seen that expression, you know, strong women, may we be them, may we raise them. And I hope that all of you out there who have daughters are raising daughters like Claire, who are brave enough to be themselves and share who they are and speak up for what they believe in, because the best that we can do is give them a voice. And this podcast is how I get a voice. And now this podcast is how Claire gets a voice too, to a degree. If you've got any questions for me about the business side of things, I'm more than happy to help. But if you've got any questions for Claire, you can send them to me via email as well. And we'll see what she has to say. Maybe someday I'll convince her to do an episode number two. In the meantime, thanks so much for listening and have an awesome week. Thanks for listening to the Business of Baking podcast. You can find show notes, links, and other fun stuff for this and previous episodes at thebizofbaking.com. Until next time, may your oven stay evenly hot, your ganache never split, and may you always be in the business of being awesome.